0: Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run.
1: Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the
0: world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise.
1: I always thought it was weird when Nike launched the Nike Free about 10 years ago with the tagline Run Barefoot, uh, that they were essentially arguing for less shoes rather than more shoes when it came to running. And it's only when you scratch the surface and do a little bit of digging around and you come to realize that barefoot running isn't just an ad campaign from a while ago, it's a full on movement that on the One end of its spectrum believes you can do away with most every running injury by unshackling your feet and never wearing sneakers again. When Sonia O'Sullivan here asked me if I had ever run barefoot, my response was only when getting into the freezing Atlantic Ocean in Mayo. And I decided that the time has come to talk about this thing the origin, the theory and the benefits of strengthening our feet, improving our form and speed by throwing our beloved gel and air-filled runners to one side for a while and letting the most amazing piece of biological engineering do its job. Hello and welcome to Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jardeth Regan. I'm joined as always by Irish athletics legend, former world champion, Olympic silver medalist and my coach on this journey, Sonia O'Sullivan. Hello, Sonia. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. Um, Yeah, this will be an interesting topic tonight, I think. I think so.
1: Uh, Later on, we will get to our email of the week. A stunning email this week, Sonia. You're going to love it. bit more news on my prep for the PB and a kind of tricky situation that I find myself in. Before that, though, we have to start, Sonia, and talk about the return of park runs in Australia this weekend. Something that seems an eternity away for a lot of us. I was so envious when I saw it. You ran yours for Snowy, or IP Snowy, in a blistering time of 19 minutes. Was it 19 minutes, 51 seconds? How did it feel? And even in the rain, you must be happy with that.
0: Yeah, I was delighted. You know, that, I suppose it's always my uh, <laughs> my target these days is to get under 20 minutes for 5k and you know, there was a time when I probably did it every day, but it has become a bit of a challenge. And something, you know, sometimes these things can become a bit of an obstacle in your way. And, um, you know, I suppose something that you... I am not think what the word is now, but it's just kind of something that you kind of... You, you think about it too much and then you just can't mm. do it. But on Saturday, I decided I was going to go to this park run that... It's not actually my current currently it's not my closest park run but it's one where a group of people go that i coach every week so you know it's always nice to go to these events when you know there's people around that you know and um particularly this week you know when um you know i was kind of after coming after a tough week you like to be around people who Mm. you look forward to seeing and you know then the, the pressure is taken off and you know, when you're standing on the start line and the rain is tipping down, there's definitely no pressure on. It's just uh, <laughs> get out there and do your best. And um, yeah, I luckily I kind of tagged along with um, a fellow who I recognized from when we used to do park runs a few months ago, a good few months ago, and uh, just kept ran beside him. At one point I was so close. I was, you know, we, you say when you're running behind somebody and you're using them to help you know, pull you along. You have to be in their back pocket. Yeah. And I was literally nearly in this fella's back pocket because <laughs> at one point I stood in his shoe. <laughs> oh, shit. And you know, it, it, is, it is worse when you when you know the person <laughs> and he <laughs> looks around and he sees like, <laughs> oh god, I'm really sorry. <laughs> because I think what happens is you just get drawn into these things and you get into your little zone and mm you just kind of following along and then he slowed down a tiny bit and i was you know <laughs> right there and uh, running like in i, the back I always it.
1: think about you know getting spiked in races back in the day and how you know that would was always my uh, the peril of running uh, high level athletics when that happened back in the day like was that agony or are you just filled with so much adrenaline back then that you wouldn't even notice it until the blood afterwards
0: No, you never, you never notice it until you finish. And then you look down and you see the blood in your leg and you're thinking, how did that happen? (laughs) And I rarely would you notice it. And, you know, oftentimes when you're running at a high level and when you're really concentrating and focused, there's a lot of things you don't notice until afterwards. And you kind of say, oh, I don't remember that happening. Mm. Um, Or, you know, you know, if you're out running and if it's a road race or something and there's people cheering on the sidelines and they say oh I was cheering for you did you hear me and you'd be like no <laughs> <laughs> it kind of all blends into one you know and you're I think you notice things when you're not so concentrated and focused and you know when you're when you're not going so well but mm. when things are going well and you're really in tune with what you're doing it's very easy to kind of block out all the noise that's around you and as much as you appreciate the noise and it is all part of events and races the atmosphere and you know that a crowd generates to be able to block it out the specifics of it it allows you to really be focused on what you're doing and you know then you know you're really in the zone i suppose as, as people say
1: well it's funny we you you bring it up because uh, later on, as I said, we're going to get to a, a situation that I find myself in in terms of something that must have happened during a run that I didn't realise at the time uh, and only realised afterwards. And the other thing that you bring up there is the standing on, on the shoes. It obviously wouldn't have happened if he was running barefoot. (laughs) This barefoot running thing, I honestly disappeared down a rabbit hole over it. And I guess it all started with this book that I've I've been listening to. And I know you're listening to now, Born to Run by Christopher McDougall, which I guess uh, kind of started a rebirth in interest in barefoot running. Barefoot running, of course, began when man first stood up off all fours. But uh, people came to the conclusion that chronic and repetitive strain injuries from striking the ground with your heel could be avoided by taking away the cushion that encourages you to run that way is that am I right in saying that that's essentially where the the interest comes from that the nike and the likes invented a new way for you to run where you could lengthen your stride and strike with your heel rather than the flat of your foot as nature would intend and now this is the rolling back of that idea
0: well in theory that's what it entails i suppose but for so many people we've gone so far down the track of wearing shoes that we're so far away from when we would have been walking around or running around in our bare feet that you kind of have to backtrack to be able to do it and it's not not something that you can just decide okay I'm not wearing my shoes now hmm. I'm going to start running bare feet and see the benefits because you'll probably see more detriments than benefits to start with if you, if you go too hard I know when I was in I suppose primary school it would have been so in the 70s in Ireland back in Cove and you know a couple of the first cross-country races I ran you know the big thing back then was to wear to go barefoot and we used to think it was great crack, you know, to be running around farmers fields in your barefoot and, you know, you would come back hoping that you hadn't run through any cow paths you know, along the way and invariably you did. And it all came squishing up between your toes. Oh, <laughs> is, this, is this all
1: Zola Budd's doing, though? Like, I'll, I remember Zola Budd vaguely uh, uh, and seeing her as the only athlete at the Olympics with no shoes on. Was it driven by that or was there it was just a tradition?
0: No, I I think for kids in Ireland, there would be a a good generation of runners who I'm sure would have run bare feet in cross-country races and it was just the thing to do. And then I suppose as the winter months went on, it got a bit cold and we started to be getting shoes and wearing them and then you became more comfortable in shoes Mm. and then you start to go away from it. And I think as soon as you start wearing shoes, it's very hard to go back And go on your bare feet and I mean the best I can do at the moment is walking on the sand as I was talking about last week and I do feel it if you do it and you think about it when you're doing it I think you can really strengthen the muscles in your feet and that's probably the benefit with running as well I often hear of people who at the end of a run they might finish at a field where they know it's pretty good surface and run a few laps in their bare feet, just to feel the grounding of, you know, running on the ground and through your feet. Because when you run in shoes, you do run slightly different and different. I mean, I would have lots of different pairs of shoes and some would feel better than others. And some I would wear for different types of runs because I think they make me feel better doing that. And then others I wouldn't wear at all because I just don't like them. Well, this this does Um,
1: seem to be the you know, the debate and they do they do refer to it as that, as the, the barefoot running debate, because there's so many conflicting theories on it. And you raise the, the main point of contention, which is that people have come so far in shoes for most of their life that they cannot just simply go, and now I'm a barefoot runner and that if you are looking to avoid injury, that's the worst thing you can do. So if you are listening to this thinking, well, maybe I can transition to a more minimalist shoe, because, again, that's that's the other movement. in this is kind of a minimalism in cushioning uh, much, much simpler. You may even wear those shoes that all of your toes fit into. Although (laughs) I just can't picture doing that at any point in my life. Uh, If anybody touches my toes, I jump uh, like six feet in the air. I don't know why. But that that minimalism and that kind of move towards that, surely that must be a gradual, like super gradual process. Uh, And I guess what we're talking about today is whether it's not about convincing all the Irishman running abroad runners to run in their bare feet, because just on temperature alone, it would be surely impossible in Ireland to do that. But more to consider doing a session or two on wet grass. I mean, is that it, Sonia?
0: I would say not even a session, but easy running, you know, I think easy running on soft, good grass, you know, would be a way to get started and just even a few strides just to get the feel for it. But it's not something I've done for a long time. I know sometimes, you know, if you go to see the, the doctor or the physio, they might ask you to jog on the spot in your bare feet. Mm. and it can be quite uncomfortable to do that Mm -hmm. Um, and even if they ask you to do some exercises in your feet you know if you're doing some say calf races to strengthen your achilles tendon and they say oh do them in your in your feet don't worry about the shoes it's a lot harder to do it without shoes on and that can be because other parts of your feet are sore and you know you can't do it properly because of you know i suppose things that have gone on in your feet over the years and mm. they lose that strength and ability to push your feet up when you're doing exercises. But it's something that it's definitely worth persisting with, I think, to build strength in your feet. But persisting with to the point where you gradually do it and you don't, you know you don't work through pain, but you work through, you know, this much I can do today. And then I'll do a little bit extra the next day. And it may not be every day, but every second day or, you know, two or three times a week. But it's I think it's a summertime thing to do.
1: Yeah, Um, definitely
0: more than a week. (laughs)
1: Definitely this side of the world. But let's just say this then. This is what I pulled off Wikipedia, that since running shoes have been blamed for the increased incidence of running injuries and this has prompted uh, some runners to go barefoot. The American Pediatric Medical Association has stated that there's not enough evidence to support such claims and has urged would be barefoot runners to consult a podiatrist before even attempting it. And even further, the American Diabetes Association has urged diabetics and other people with reduced sensation in their feet not to run barefoot, citing the increased likelihood of foot injury. And when I heard all that, I was like, well, I do remember those free. You may remember these Nike frees coming out because the, you know, the ad showed people running in their bare feet and all, you know, tribes people. And the shoe itself used to, you could bend it in half and they would flip back to its original position. But it was really a really thin sole. Now I look at the Nikes that you wear and even my own Pegasus. And it's gone full circle. I mean, the amount of foam in the sole of these shoes now, it's like it seems to have gone completely the other direction. And then when I when I had a little look into the ones that you wear specifically, a lot of people said that, well, there may be a lot of foam, but they are super hard. And that's that's the difference. Can you make sense of all of that?
0: I suppose it's kind of Yeah, we do seem to go around full circle and change the way we do things every now and then. And we go backwards and forwards to new things and then going back to old things. And when I was, you know, running fast back in the 90s and you would change your shoes from your training shoes into your faster shoes, you would always put on lighter, smaller shoes. And when you put them on, they felt like you were putting slippers on, like they were so light and so thin and you know you just kind of felt light when you were in them now it's gone the opposite and you put on these big chunky ones yeah, but they still skates. feel really light <laughs> they, they feel really light but there's kind of a spring in them you know there's okay. definitely a bounce off these shoes when you put them on and you feel like you'd often talk about when you're running on different surfaces and like what the surface gives back to you and then now it's like what the shoe interacting with the ground gives back to you. So these shoes like the Nike Next Percent and the Alpha Fly and I think Adidas have some new ones as well. I don't know what they're called, but you know, they're all they're nearly like platform shoes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the energy that they give back, it adds to the energy that you already have. So it's giving you this extra percentage of push off and propels you forward and um, particularly you notice this you know in the in the latter stages of a run when you're starting to feel a bit tired and you need that little extra edge and I think it's possibly there's a good percentage is psychological as well as physical mm-hmm. and that if you believe that something is helping you and it's good for you that you know y- y- you kind of talk yourself into feeling not as tired As you would normally be and it probably takes a lot of different things to come together to be able to do this but it is a strange thing and now you know there's different rules where you can't wear these high shoes on the track so now the shoe companies have to come back up with lighter thinner shoes again and they're all trying to squeeze in a little bit of a um, those plates that supposedly give you a little bit of um, propulsion as well into the thin soles so Yeah, there's so much debate on the shoes that, you know, going your bare feet keeps it simple, but, you know, there's not very many elite runners out there running races in their bare feet at the moment and, you know, winning races. I mean, Zola Budd, she won the world cross country in her bare feet. She ran in the Olympics in her bare feet and a lot of South African athletes did. Back down through the years, a lot of Kenyan and Ethiopian runners ran in their bare feet in you know international races but then they were introduced to shoes but i was reading there just earlier and um they said yeah they may be wearing shoes as they come out into the international scene and compete in big races but they through the early years in their life they ran a lot with no shoes so they've got all those benefits are already stored up in their feet and in the in the way that they run mm. that you know they can bring that with them into the shoes so they're not you know so you're kind of using the benefits of modern technology but you've had the, the benefits yeah. of the, of the natural running you know in your early years which a lot of you know general Western athletes wouldn't have because parents are so excited to give the first pair of shoes to their child when they start walking and you know, give them their first pair of running shoes and they look really cool and you know, all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. that y- you forget what you're taking away by, by doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, as a as a sneakerhead, like ever since ever since I could play sport, I was obsessed with shoes and uh You know, basketball, my sport as a youngster, uh, has really given me an insight into exactly what a racket it can be. You know, I've pumped up my sneakers for for a while, assuming that that would, you know, increase my performance. I've definitely bought pairs of Jordans, assuming that they would help me get closer to the basket. And a lot of that uh, psychological stuff that you mentioned I believe it is fundamental to the sneaker game in running and basketball equally. Uh, and, you know, you can't you can't underestimate it, can you? But what when you become aware that it is a little bit of a, a, a cyclical thing, a fashion thing, is when suddenly these shoes that were previously the greatest thing that Nike had to offer, are being replaced by the greatest thing that Nike have to offer. I mean, it is a space race that can only go so far. Uh, when we talk about those people that started out running for years and years bare feet, we're essentially trying to reverse engineer what what they did here, right, Sonia, and trying to strengthen what we have, which are feet that were not trained to run barefoot, and trying to, accrue some of the benefits that a stronger foot will give you. But again, I go back to this thing of if you're running around with cushions on your feet, you know, for years, it's it must be extremely hard then to strengthen them up or maybe 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 I'm all wrong. Maybe it's like any other muscle that if you commit enough time each week to doing some foot strengthening exercises, whether it's barefoot running or not, you can do it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely going to take time because, you know, no matter what new exercise you introduce. To your life, you're going to feel sore the next day. So you have to introduce it gradually and then you also have to be consistent with the introduction and continue to to do it and practice. You keep practicing over and over again and then you get good at what you're trying to do. So I think, you know, it's one of those things that you you either say, oh, I'm happy with my shoes. I'm gonna keep going the way I am. Or you say, this is kind of interesting. Maybe it's something worth exploring. But if it's worth exploring, then I think you have to commit to it and you have to decide to what level you're going to do it because you know as much as people have talked about this I think um this book that we've been listening to born to run did it come out in like 2009 how, like how long ago was it? yeah so over ten years ago and you know it was a huge thing that people were talking about that over the years and I've had the book but I've never got around to reading it and just started listening to it recently and it is very interesting and different people who are talking in there and observing things but in all that time as much as there has been people who do a little bit of barefoot running a little bit of running with those shoes with the toes the free shoes and the really minimalist shoes there's very few road races or any even running events where you would see that many people running in their bare feet so It's something that people are still a bit, maybe risk averse to, and they kind of like the idea of it. It's nice to do it on the grass or at the beach in the summertime, and they see the benefits, but it hasn't really taken over, and the shoes are always there as the kind of backup and the safety net for everybody to go back to. But I think one thing worth considering is you know, when you do get injuries or sorenesses, that you always have to think well where did it originate from and what caused it and you know when you start stretch stretching and exercising you work from your feet up because that's you know the first thing that touches the ground when you're running so you know no matter what injury you have you have to look at your feet and how you're landing and you know is that causing injuries or sorenesses in other parts of your body.
1: Well, uh, I go along 100% with that. And like, I guess I probably did bind up my feet more than other people. As I say, basketball shoes weakened my ankles, no question about it. High topped sneakers laced as tight as possible past the uh, ball of your ankle. And if you are you know, maybe you're someone who wore Doc Martin boots, similarly hailed as this kind of orthopedic brilliant shoe, they definitely the the support of the ankle will, will be weakened as a result. So whatever cushioning you've given your feet over the years, your feet could probably do with some of these exercises. We'll post them in the Strava group, strava.com forward slash clothes forward slash Irishman running abroad. Some of the ones like you mentioned uh, previously in the series, like the, the grabbing the towel with your with your toes and pulling it upwards and doing that just while you're watching the telly picking up a marble, toe extensions, toe curls and these kind of things. We'll we'll pop them all up there just before we before we leave the subject. When Mikey started school here in the UK, I was, you know, looking forward to kitting him out in (laughs) the, the cutest little, you know, kid Jordans, which again, as you say, is so far to this thing that it's mostly men like me and women like me who just want to see their kids in cool shoes. That started all and Mikey heads into the school. I don't know if this is the same in Australia, son, you tell me. And they're like, no, 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 Uh, he'll be wearing these Pim soles, which is a shoe I'd never even heard of. I was like, what the f- what are Pimsoles? soles? And they're basically these <laughs> tiny shite looking canvas, black, gross out shoes. They're, they're like crap looking vans. And they're, I was like, he can't change direction in those shoes. There's no arch sport. They'll all have flat feet in no time. And then in the course of looking up all this stuff, I like that this is this is actually part of the theory that kids should be wearing pimp They should be wearing much more minimalist shoes to get their feet to do the work. Is that the same in Australia?
0: Do you know about all of this? Uh, no, I don't think. I think are they plim, plimsolls? Is, is it? it? Yeah, they're like, uh, yeah. We used to call them rub, rub, you call them rubber dollies in the past. Or <laughs> is like is that. it
1: plim or pimsolls? There's the there's the question. I think
0: they're plimsolls, but they were really like they're kind of like real cheap runners that and really flat. Yeah, um, I can kind of remember Kieran Sophie maybe had to wear them when they went to school in England. Yeah, um, right. it might have been part of eager, I think it was something I think they don't maybe they don't scratch the floor or make marks on the floor or something, and I suppose they're all wearing equal shoes then. yeah when they're that's running part around of
1: it, but uh, either way they look crap <laughs> And that was yeah, my no, biggest I'm problem. not
0: sure I would recommend them but hmm. maybe maybe they are good
1: for, you know, kids' mm. feet. Well, the sales of these minimalist running shoes has grown to be, I'm reading here, a $1.7 billion industry. So while we mightn't see a load of people out there bouncing along the pavement in their in their bare feet, these uh, kind of lighter shoes, they might be something you'd be interested in. They're easy to find. All you'd need to uh, Google is minimalist running shoes. I definitely stuck in a pair of insoles into those Pegasus that I mentioned, Sonia. And I don't know if they've contributed to the situation that I find myself in. But basically, as everyone knows, I've been going hard with the training the last while really up in the ante a little bit, preparing for our PB event at the end of the month. If you want to join that, uh, there's nearly 100 athletes taking part. I would love to get as many of you as possible to bring your friends and just do the loop that you normally do in the best time you can do it. So in the same way as our Jigsaw.ie Irishman Running Abroad Challenge allows you to set the bar for yourself, That's what we wanted this PB event. It's 100% designed by Sonia to allow you to focus your running across January towards being the best you can be and not looking over your shoulder at the fella next to you. Just trying your best to do your loop in the best time possible. And as you said, Sonia, don't look in the oven. Don't try and do it before the event. Just continue and stick with the plan. Well, the plan you gave me last week was was great and I was loving it. And this uh, interval session, though, that you gave me on the Wednesday, I did it in at times that I never thought I could do. I think I ran one K in four minutes, 10 for me, which is like I'd never run a K that fast. And I felt like and people can check out my progress in, in the Strava group that I was getting faster across the intervals, which I thought, well, that's that's weird. And then. I guess I came back afterwards, Sonia, I was like, maybe I was doing that wrong. Maybe maybe the idea was not to get faster. The idea was to sustain the same pace as we go. And sure enough, that evening I started to get this nagging pain within my hip. Well, first of all, let me ask you, Sonia, did I do that wrong? Did I get that session all wrong? Should I should um, I not have been yeah, getting well, faster?
0: the, the The longer section was definitely supposed to be at a more controlled pace. Mm. So the three-minute efforts were definitely a bit more controlled. And then there were some 400s afterwards, I think, and they could be a bit faster. Right. Uh, But, you know, I mean, at this stage, nothing is ever really all out, you know. It's Mm. all as in, like, as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. It's always at a manageable pace. So you're never going 100% because, you know, you're always building up. And I suppose the thing is, If you feel yourself going fast, and sometimes I get tricked into this myself, like if you set out to do a certain pace, even at a threshold type of interval, and you might run maybe five or 10 seconds faster than you should be running. And then you kind of think, oh, but I feel good. Mm. And then you do the second effort. And instead of going at the pace you're supposed to go, you kind of think, oh no, I have to match the one I did at the start. And then you do it again. And then by the time you get to the end of it, you are a bit more tired and a bit more sore than you should be because you've pushed yourself harder than, you know, you really should have been doing Yeah. Um, for where you're at. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we all do this stuff and, you know, it's the risk you take, I suppose. Mm. And sometimes mm. you get away with it and sometimes you don't. Sometimes and getting away don't. with it can mean that you just get tired and, you know, you feel crap the next day or for a few days. Or, you know, worst case scenario, you get a bit of an injury and that's when you have to kind of think, OK, well, now, is this a real injury or is this just a warning sign that I need to take it easy for a few hmm. days and then we can get back into, you know, nor- normal again? Well,
1: I've definitely been guilty of... <laughs> Oh, for exaggerating my my injuries in the past. Like I can remember times where I was like, "Oh jeez, I need 5 days off the gym because my shoulder hurts." <laughs> Whereas what I should have been saying to myself was, "That's good. That's a good sign. You're you're building up your shoulders." But instead, I'd go 5 days off the gym and never go back. And you know, I'm I'm totally fine with being 100% honest with how clueless I am. And I think that that's part of the beauty of our show, Sonia. I am at your mercy. I do not know what the fuck I'm doing, in case anybody was under that impression. I am, whoever is listening to this, who's like, I've never run before. That is me, just to remind everybody. So when I came back and was like, oh, no, there's a pain in my hip socket. I have no frame of reference for hip socket pain from running. My only reference is hip socket pain from basketball, which, as I've said multiple times, was my sport and I came from a time when nobody warmed up and nobody stretched, and I really did some damage to my hips in around 1996, seven, where the lateral movement and all the cutting and changing direction that's involved in that sport, a bit like squash, it wears on those hip joints. So I ended up with two torn labrals. And I guess, Sonia, my fear is doing that again. Now, you can't really tear your labral in that is the outer coating of cartilage in your hip socket that you have that in your shoulder as well, obviously. But you can't really do it without really vigorous changes of directions or kicking, actually kicking a ball or kicking a wall will do it too. Uh, But if you have weak ones, it can happen. Now, when I got this sensation in my hip, I immediately went, oh, no, I've done this again. And just to be clear, listeners, I walked with a limp for years and I met Tina, my wife, <laughs> while limping around UCD. I must have looked so strange. and But you get so used to these things, don't you, that when, when you're carrying an injury for so long, it just becomes part of who you are. But I'm still desperate not to go back there. You said to me, Sonia, take a couple of days, which I did. I took saturday and sunday completely off and didn't do anything other than walk for a coffee but uh, again i get in my head and i'm sure loads of listeners can relate to this too that i'm going backwards that i'm gonna lose what i had and how far i'd come just because i've got a a bit of a twinge in, in my hip what do you what do you say to people who who are in my boat how do we how do we know because i can't really go to a a professional at the moment
0: well I, I think it's one thing you have to look at is you know when you have an old injury that you know it's from years and years ago that when you do push yourself a bit you could kind of stir something up that's kind of hidden in there you know so mm. there's always you know when you recover from an injury there's probably always something in there that if you really push yourself you may stir it back up again and I think if you you only know that yourself and you'll know, you'll kind of think, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely in that same area. I've felt this pain before and I think the most important thing is that you calm it down and you kind of get on top of it Mm -hmm. before it gets out of control and, you know, goes to a, a full on injury. And I know I've had stuff like this, you know, in the in kind of recent years, maybe like five or six years ago, and i had a thing with my achilles tendon and i had a couple of achilles injuries in the 90s and they were always the worst injuries because you could never know where the finish line with them was mm. they were kind of always nagging and there was no like definitive timeline of when you know you would be able to get back running and you know the progress of running that you could do and one time when I was, you know, just in kind of normal jogging training and just for fun and fitness and I got this Achilles injury and it knocked me out for a good while because when I went to the physio and they said to me, yeah but you've had and I because I had a vague timeline of what I did before and how I got it better and they said yeah but you're 20 years older now so it takes a bit longer to heal these things and you know, they don't react as quickly as they would have been in the past. Yeah. So when, when that happened and, it you know, it really knocked me out for a while and I was really annoyed at myself for allowing it to happen, then I was determined I'm never going to get myself in this situation again. So I think that's why I'm always kind of operating at a little bit under the 100%. I'm always pulled back a little bit mm. because I have this fear that, you know, I'm going to have, The amount of running that i do now taken away from me and it's not a lot you know compared to what i used to do in the past but it's enough that it satisfies me and i'm happy with it and you know you can set yourself little goals and targets and aims but it's like i'm always kind of listening out or tuning into you know any little things that might develop into serious injuries so i think it's always good to kind of be a little bit cautious when you get these warning signs and, you know, there's no harm taking a few days off and it, it definitely must be a running thing that you feel like you're going to lose so much fitness in such a short amount of time because you get obsessed with all these days adding on top of each other. And every day is one day fitter, you know, mm-hmm. one more amount of kilometers added in yeah. to your collection that you have for the year. And you have all these little things that you kind of all of a sudden think like, oh, I'm kind of stuck here now. So I think you do have to take a step back and decide, OK, I've got to really let this settle down. I've got to work out what will help it. And that will be, you know, maybe riding a bike, maybe going in cold water. Maybe, I don't know, it sounds like it's not something that needs to be stretched
1: at mm. the moment. Mm. It's a hips are, hips are weird because it's hard to ice them. It's hard to heat them because the the pain's deep in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you might have to go into a big bathtub full of ice. You were just trying to get me
1: to, to, to post an embarrassing video of me shrieking in my bathtub. I feel like you, that's where this is headed. But you're like, you know what we need to do, Jar. We need to frighten, give you a heart attack. Uh, did you ever do the ice bath back in the day?
0: Oh, I did all the time. We used to do the ice bath. That was a big thing. After all the races, we would go in a ho- hotels. After the races, we'd come back and fill it up. And it was funny. Some countries the water would be much colder than others, and some it would be quite warm. So if you were up in like Norway or Finland or somewhere like that, it was you didn't have to add much ice in. But if you were down in Spain and France, you know you couldn't get enough ice, and the water was just too warm. <sighs>
1: and tell me like uh, there's I, I read some conflicting views on on the ice bath but the uh, the, uh, the plan is that it helps it basically shocks the muscles into repair
0: yeah i mean i think that there is there's loads of you know different things you can read about ice baths and conflicting you know stories definitely but i think you know for most athletes when you do something And you believe that it works or it helps you then you know you just do it because you believe it works and it does something positive for Hmm. you and i think i definitely believe that you know 10 to 15 minutes in the ice bath
1: 10 to 15 minutes it made a difference what
0: yeah (laughs) oh my god no thanks I need to have the stopwatch on to make sure you didn't, you know, (laughs) cut it short.
1: Oh, my God. No way. Look, I'm committed Uh, to running 2000 kilometres for Jigsaw.ie this year and taking part in the Dublin City Marathon. But I don't know if I'm that committed. This was before (laughs) what?
0: This was before iPhones and smartphones and things like that where you could entertain yourself. So you'd have to find, before you got into the bat, you also had to find something to read so that you could keep yourself in there. And it couldn't be anything that you had to concentrate on. It was something like... Uh, So maybe you could listen to a podcast while you're in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Speaking of which, we've
1: got a we've got a really fun episode coming up with the happy pair next week. The uh, food episode went down such a bomb uh, the other week, Sonia, that we had to do another one. We recorded it last week. So the chat with the lads will go up next Monday. We'll obviously also have an update with me and Sonia mixed in there too. So it won't just be an old episode. Come back for that. Uh, I, I do want to talk about our our email of the week. You can of course contact Sonia and I at Irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe you're someone who's had a experience with uh, hip uh, injury or ice baths or uh, getting rained on in the park, just get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Sonia, we had this discussion on the last food episode about the prosciutto sandwich idea that you came up with, which was essentially, um, what was it? A piece of prosciutto around a date. Wasn't some, that it? And um,
0: some cheese. So cheese, cheese. A slice
1: of cheese. slice of cheese. Slice of cheese
0: um, some spinach. Spinach and rocket or spinach or rocket, whichever you prefer. And then if you want to really go deluxe, you put a date in the middle and then you roll it up and then you heat it in the frying pan for a few seconds.
1: Well, Angela from Limerick got in touch. Hey, Jarlath and Sonia, love the show. I'm enjoying the Irishman Running Abroad podcast series and I'm willing to share some intellectual property with you. Plus, uh, the listeners, if you deem this of sufficient quality, this is a brilliant email, so of course. Sonia recommended baking the prosciutto cheese and date combo. She said, you'd need to come up with a name for this, quote. I've enjoyed the snack and several variations over the years. And I've concocted a few names for these. And these are great. Prosciutto or any ham and a, and date, she calls a pig on a date. <laughs> uh, prosciutto cheese and date. A pig on a cheesy date. I don't know why I'm enjoying these so much. It's so funny. A turkey, rasher and a date, a bird on a date. <laughs> there isn't too many more of these. Please feel free to take these names if you don't get a better offer. Thanks for facilitating and sharing the running experience and motivation. I I hope your running is going well. Slawn Angela in Limerick. Angela is going to receive the rare limited edition guests only Irishman abroad pin. That uh, will be posted to you, Angela, in Limerick for your email of the week. How how good was that, Sonia?
0: Oh, that is fantastic! That's really thinking outside the box. You know, naming naming your prosciutto sandwiches like that. I've never really thought about along those lines, but that, I, it'll get me thinking now. I think when I'm making stuff. Yeah. So
1: we 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 will have new recipes on next week's episode. I. Obviously, nearly burned the house down last week. Everybody got in touch to check that I'm okay. Thank you for that. The great news is, Sonia, that uh, my Kenwood food processor arrived. And it is the bee's knees, Tina says. It is... She has said many times, how did I live my life before this machine arrived? Uh, So I'm all set to give all of this soups that the happy pair recommend. uh, And the like, you're not going to listeners, you're not going to believe how simple some of these soups that the lads make are. Uh, And that's all on next week's show. In the meantime, Sonia, you popped up another recipe into the Strava group. What was that for?
0: So that was another variation of the the energy balls. Okay. So this was a fairly hardcore one now, though. It's got. Um, it was actually as you commented when I sent you a picture of it or a video. Yeah. Um, it was a bit drier looking. You said there's not much nuts in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: there's no cashew butter in there, which <laughs> like, we realised did the you're damage. are right. Yeah. There's no cashew butter like, in you're this right.
0: one not at all no it was more about um pumpkin seeds and um sunflower seeds and what else was in it there was a few dates in there um it's always a date going on and um, (laughs) uh patrick oh ginger 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 was the thing that was in it that was was, yeah that's the thing that really makes it a bit more different than you know often when you have these nut balls or protein balls you know if you go to the cafe or you pick them up at different places, or you make them yourself, you often think they're going to be quite sweet and this one is not so sweet okay uh, it's not savory but it's um yeah it's a bit different okay
1: well, we'll, but, look, um, yeah. well that's all up there in the group um as i say strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Abroad. come and join us over there one uh contributor this week was patrick booth who recommended a flapjack recipe from a good friend of mine dominic Manelli. now dominic uh, is a an amazing strength and conditioning coach and all over wellness guru. He's written an incredible book. I should recommend it here. It's called, let me pull it down, Move, Train, Nourish. And that's written with Grania Parker, his wife. And that'd be my book recommendation of the week outside of Born to Run. It's an incredible book, and it contains this flapjack recipe, which Paddy Booth reminded me of, and I was like, these are Unbelievable. I must throw that up as well myself, Sonia, but I can't wait to to let people hear this chat with the happy pair. It's a bit of crack and the boys uh, reveal their Running history, which put me to shame, <laughs> has to be said. Sonia, thank you so much for this chat. As always, total pleasure. Hope, uh, hope you have a good week over there, and that you. S- you see, I don't even have to say, stay safe to you over there. You've, you've conquered coronavirus now. You're just rubbing it in our faces now.
0: We seem to have, yeah. No, the, on, the only drama here at the moment is all these tennis players have arrived, and they're um, in the hotel in. quarantine and. They're, they're not very happy about it, especially the ones. They had a whole thing set up where they could go training in bubbles and whatnot. But a few of them arrived with some positive people on their flights. Oh, so Lord. then they were now they're not allowed out at all. So they're in hitting tennis balls against the windows and the do- the walls. And <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah, there's an update on that every day. So.
1: Uh, and there'll be no there'll obviously be no spectators at that.
0: Um, They're hoping that there will be um, some spectators. Yeah, but at the moment, there's cricket on and there's spectators at the cricket. Um, They have reduced the numbers. um, But I suppose if there's no people here who are positive or have got it, then it's safe enough to go. I mean, in New Zealand, sure, they had full stadiums at the rugby. So Mm. it does look like it's possible. But then in Australia, there is always, I suppose, there's a few cases floating around in different states and there's always the fear that they would cross the border when Mm. they allow people to transfer or to travel between states um again and so they're always very much aware of you know keeping that i suppose where it is and not transferring it around the country but it just you know the outlook the outlook is um you know you just wonder you know when things will open up when you see how strict it is here
1: absolutely and then
0: how everything is still raging in in other parts of the world and you know i suppose the olympics is always a thing that everybody is asking about you know will it be on or won't it and if it is in what form so you know that's Something we we may get to talk about that down the track.
1: Definitely. There's a tremendous amount of optimism over here at the moment, certainly in the UK, with vaccines flying out the door. They're aiming to vaccine two million people a week from this week onwards, which is crazy when you consider how fast they'd get through the population of Ireland going at that rate. But, you know, uh, this is such an optimistic podcast that every week we get messages from you guys saying how much it helps you with your motivation, your headspace when you're out running or to get you out running. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Jared Jago uh, this week, a good friend of the podcast who got himself out there this week and, you know, did that thing that you recommended at the start, Sonia, which is just, you know, start with the walk. Even if you're not a runner, just get out there walking and then, you know, progress to the jog and uh, who knows where you'll end up next. I'm going to, uh, I think, take an easy week this week and we'll be uh, we'll be back uh, back at it uh, next week with the happy pair. And uh, my thanks to Brian Connolly for his production, to Tina and Mikey for making it all possible. A uh, final shout out to our weekly online comedy club that I'd love you all to come to. Sonia is taking part in one of these. She was a special guest at the Irish Man of Comedy Club a while back. We've got a new one started called Return of the Crack. Three amazing guests on a Friday night. You need something to look forward to. If you're a patron of this podcast, you'll get in free. Uh, or the tickets are just £10 for a household ticket. And uh, the show starts at 8pm on Friday. Sonia, thank you so much for uh, for this. As always, we'll talk next week.
0: Oh, it's great to chat. And uh, yeah, have a great week, everybody
2: she's a rich girl she don't try to hide it diamonds on the soles of her shoes he's a poor boy empty as a pocket Empty a as a pocket, with pitched, nothing to lose Sing ta na na She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes 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 And I could say, ooh ooh ooh, 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 As if everybody knows what I'm talking about. As if everybody here would know exactly what I was talking about. I'm talking about diamonds on the soles of a shoes. of a wave, the poor boy changes clothes and puts on aftershave, to compensate for his ordinary shoes, she said honey take me dancing, but they ended up by sleeping in a doorway, by the bodegas and the lights on over broadway, wearing diamonds on the soles of their shoes. And I could say ooh, ooh, ooh. And everybody you would know what I was talking about. I mean everybody you would know exactly what I was talking about. Talking about I die- 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 I got diamonds on the soles of my shoes, yeah. Well, that's one way to lose these walking boots. Diamonds on the soles of my shoes, I